Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. I know some of you are very familiar with air guitar, how to play it. You rock out, you know, in your room. But do you know what an air hug is? Air hug. Air hug. Air hug. You know what a low five is? Give somebody a holy low five right now, right? And sit down. Yeah, be seated. Yeah, if, you're sit- if you have the unfortunate privileges of wearing flip-flops and you're sitting next to somebody who has on cowboy boots, do that gently. Okay? Do that very, very gently. Because um, there could be other kinds of problems, uh, if not. I, uh, I met yesterday evening with um, our elders and our uh, deacon team leaders and some of our, uh, our staff uh, to kind of make sure we're all on the same page and uh, kind of make sure we're keeping one another as safe as possible. And we're going to continue to do that uh, no matter what comes. Uh, we're going to serve and minister our, our deacons. I just want to you know, say to you guys that are in the room and your, sp- their, your spouses, you know, we're, we, we may have to ramp up our game a bit in caring for uh, some of our seniors. Um, I failed to do this in the first service, but I am going to remember to do it this time. Uh, we, we may have some people who are vulnerable uh, to leave their homes and may need somebody to maybe go grocery shopping for them or something like that. So if you, if you would be willing to do something like that for somebody who um, could be vulnerable to and easily susceptible to some things. Uh, put, put your name on one of the connection cards. Uh, use the prayer cards in front of you. Do this differently today. Don't put the pen back if you use it. I'm being serious. Drop it in. Uh, we're not collecting offering with plates today. It's going to be like we did last week. The baskets will be on the back. Drop your pen and your basket. Um, our staff will put on rubber gloves and we'll ice all them suckers, you know, later. And uh, just keeping exchange down. Um, so if you're using one of our pens, drop it, you know, in the, in the basket on your way out, uh, along with your prayer cards, uh, your Lord's tithes, your offerings. We're going to do it that way today. And uh, we're just going to help each other. We're going to protect and, and care for each other. Um, we're also going to pray. We're going to take this to God because ultimately he's, he's in control of this. You know, he's, he's the Lord God, creator of everything. And he, he, he has the ability to wipe this thing out. And that's what we're going to ask him for. Our, our president, um, I'm grateful that he had the sense to say, we need to pray. Now, whatever your politics are, don't, I'm not getting into that right now. Um, but he had the sense to say, we need to pray. And when, when something quakes our nation and our world like this, um, this is a great time for people to be spiritually sensitive. And those of us who are followers of Jesus need to be aware of that heightened sensitivity. And here's the thing that I would encourage you to maybe up your game on if you've never done it. Start it, and if you do it a little bit, look, look more. Um, praying with people. Just praying with people. You don't have to get all up in the grill, you know, but, but pray with them. You see somebody who's struggling, pray with them, okay? You can stand beside them and pray, pray with them. Um, 
So just, just be aware. This, this is a time and uh, this is a national day of prayer. We're going to join now with churches all over our nation, Christians all over the world who are asking the Lord to come. And so what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to ask any of our elders that are in this service, somewhere in the other service, and uh, I see Jimmy, any other elders that are in our service. In a minute I'm going to ask you to make your way. There's David. I'm going to ask you guys to make your way up here. But we're going to start by, and, and guys, we're going to use this microphone here so you don't have to touch it. It's very sensitive, so you don't want to get right up in it or you'll, your peas will be prominent. Uh, trust me. Um, so uh, j just know that. And um, we're going to pray... Everybody, and I want to encourage you to do this if you want to. Go to one of the crosses and kneel and pray. Come down front and kneel and pray. Kneel where you're at and pray if you want to. Stay seated. Um, stand and pray if the Lord leads you to do that. However the Lord leads you. Um, if you want to pray out loud, pray, pray out loud. I didn't say you had to get loud. Okay, you don't have to shout it, um, the, uh, but, but, but pray aloud if the Lord would lead you to, to do that. And then um, our, our elders are going to come and uh, they're going to lead us kind of in a, in a, in a time of, of guiding that prayer more and then I'll close us, okay? So if you would, just bow your heads and go to the Lord and seek Him right now. And I'm going to ask our elders in the house to head on down this way. I, I pray that you will remember... God's word that tells you that the joy of the Lord is your what? Strength. So even in the midst of what's going on in our world, you and I need to look for joy in moments around us. And there's some joy in our house today. There's a lot of joy, but there's one thing uh, in particular that I'm, I'm joyful about. And um, some of you know that we do this thing called um, a yellow ribbon ceremony. And we do it for um, young men or women who are, are entering in the military before they go off to boot camp or basic training. Uh, we commit to pray for them while they're, while they're there. Or if uh, one from among us is being deployed... Uh, we, we pray for them and we, we, we gather like after a service like this. We gather and uh, meet outside under some trees and we pray over them. We pray over their families and then we tie a, a ribbon on the tree with their name on it personalized to remind us to pray for them while they are deployed or while they're preparing to serve our nation. And so you don't even have to be a member of our church. If, you're, if this is your river family, if you consider this your place of worship, your, your, your peeps, in the Lord, then uh, if you're being deployed or, or heading uh, off to the military, we want to know because we want to we do that for you as well. Uh, we need a little bit of advance notice because we do personalize these things. And uh, today, uh, what we do uh, when someone comes back from a deployment or uh, from, uh, from their, their first step into service uh, of our nation, we say, welcome back home. So Dallas, Hicks, welcome back home. <laughs> This second group is sharper than the first group. Did you notice that? They just clapped automatically. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, they, they were excited. I want to present you with your ribbon. I am so glad to have you back home. I hugged him in the first service. I told him he and my wife are the only two people I'm doing real hugs for. Um, and uh, so just be jealous, whatever. The, uh, uh, but I, I, as we have prayed, 
um, for Dallas. Dallas, what, what was it like for you to, to go away from home like this for the first time and just kind of get in real deep, knowing that people back here were praying for you? What did that do for you, man? Well, the first step of the process was that said, join the military or good luck. So, <laughs> so Way to go, Dad. I followed his footsteps. I may not be a nuclear engineer, but I decided to go into logistics. But that process... Can I speak? Yeah. By the way, graduated first in his class. Right here. <laughs> Woo! Right here. <laughs> that whole process was, it was struggling, especially during boot camp. Um, like, a couple phone calls here and there. Very few letters, because postal service took forever there. But any, any military postal service. Um, but especially when I got to A school, it really started kicking stress and everything. Uh, just trying to make number one was the hardest, hardest part of that. But I got Pastor Joe's letter. They finally rerouted it, like after a good month. <laughs> so I got that and it said on there, the biggest thing that stood out to me was that everybody's praying for me. And every time you looked outside, you saw a lot of yellow on the street. And that always brought me hope and that brought me faith to keep going. Well, we want to give you your yellow ribbon, and we want you to know we're not going to quit praying for you, but we, uh, we just wanted to, to devote that special time. And we want you to know we thank God for you. We thank you that you have chosen to serve us, because we, we see it that way, that you are serving us. You're making our world a safer place, and we thank God for you, brother. And I want to pray for you right now, okay? Um, you're heading to New Orleans as your first duty station? For three years. Three years. Okay, okay. Well, New Orleans needs Jesus, baby. Okay. <laughs> New Orleans needs them some Jesus. God put me there for a reason. That's, he, he did. But we want to pray for your protection and your provision while you're there. Okay, let me, let me pray for it. Father God, we thank you for our dear brother. We thank you for Dallas, God. I, I thank you that he has a heart for you. I think he has a heart that knows, God, that when he's under stress, when he's under pressure, he can turn to you. He, and that he knows that there are people back home praying for him. So God, we pray right now. And we continue to pray. God, would you help him find favor with everyone that comes in authority over him. Help him find favor, God. Move on his behalf that way. God, we pray for protection. We pray for provision. And, and, and just as we, kind of jokingly, but not so much of a joke, God said, will you use Dallas to change New Orleans? One person at a time, wherever he's at, on, on a ship, on, on a duty station, just wherever, God, he's at, whatever you put him, I pray in Jesus' name that you would use him in a mighty way to make a difference. Help him remember whose he is, that he's first yours, God, before he's Uncle Sam's, he's yours. And uh, I, I just pray, Father, that your peace would fill him, your provision would meet every need he has from your riches and glory. And we give you thanks for him now. Strengthen him, encourage him, make him brave. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. God bless you, brothers. Thank you Thank so much. Look, look for the joy. There, there are good things going on all around you. Uh, I'm going to put this down on the floor because um, some of you know that I have a tendency to flail around sometimes. And uh, I don't want to knock it off. Um, if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 12 this morning. Uh, we started a new series last week that we called Jesus Determined. And it comes from Luke 9.51 where G the Bible tells us that Jesus determined. Some translations say he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Which meant he's determined to, to go to the cross. 
to die a sacrificial death on that cross, an atoning death for your sin and mine. There's victory in the cross over sin. And then after that to be raised by the power of God from the dead, having victory over death. And so we, we want to, this morning, look at some of the other things that Jesus determined because he determined to do that. But along the way to the cross, Jesus determined that there were some things for his disciples. Last week we looked at how Jesus determined that he wants to raise up dead stuff in us. Today, this is what I want us to do. I want us to look at how Jesus wants to, for his disciples, he wants to wipe out worry. Jesus wants to wipe out worry in our lives. So to kind of begin our message time, I want to give you a test. Anybody study last night for this test? You didn't? You didn't know there was going to be a test? Come on. Here's the test. Two years ago, March 15th, 2018, what were you worried about? Now, now some of you, it would come like that because it was a traumatizing experience in your life then. But for others of you, you're going, you can't remember. You don't know. I think that's a great way to step into what Jesus says to us in his word today. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 12. We're going to start in, in, in verse 22 because Jesus, what Jesus wants to do is he wants to pour his peace into our panic. He wants to pour his peace into our patterns of anxiety. He, he wants to wipe out our worry. And so Jesus, he wants you to understand some things. He wants you to know some things. He wants you to, to do something. And so Jesus kind of introduces his, his thinking on this by, by telling his disciples, we're going to look at that verse in a minute, telling his disciples to think about birds. How many of you ever just spend a lot of time thinking about birds? Uh, some people are bird watchers. You know, some people love birds. They, they love them. Um, you've heard me talk about this. I spend most of my, my early morning in our sunroom. And uh, birds are crazy out there, you know, right now especially. And um, so I've been, as I was preparing for this message, really studying them again. Uh, you know what I noticed? I didn't see any birds sweating. No sweaty birds. You ever seen a bird sweat? No sweaty birds, you know. I didn't see any birds frowning. Didn't see any fur brows on the, the birds. Might have saw an angry bird, don't know. Um, the, uh, but the, they, they weren't worried. You know what they were doing? They were singing. They were flitting from branch to branch, singing, spreading joy. God wants us to think about the, those birds. You know, I, I didn't see a, a bird that looked like he had hypertension. I, 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 he, he didn't. None of them were checking their pulse. You know, they, they were just, they were out there. They were enjoying the day. They were, they were loving life. And Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 12, verse 22, and he said, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat, nor your body about what you will put on. I find it interesting that those two things that Jesus just kind of starts out saying, don't worry about, we worry about. Am I fashionable? 
Don't answer that question. That was rhetorical. But we worry about, you know, you know, Jesus said, don't, don't get all uptight about what you eat. And some of us, if, you know, some of us dieting and those kinds of things, we get really uptight about some of those things. You know, unless Krispy Kreme's involved, then we don't get so uptight, you know. The, uh, but what Jesus said, is, he goes on in verse, verse 23, for life is more than food and body more than clothing. You know, we, Jesus is starting to put things in, in perspective here. And he's saying, those things take up so much of your time. And you worry so much uh, about those things. And he says in verse 24, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God does what? God feeds them. Here's the question. How much more valuable are you to God than birds? H how much more? Well, to start with, everybody in here is a human being, which means you were made in the image of God. Birds? No. They're not made in the image of God. They're wonderful creatures, mostly bird brains, but they're wonderful creatures. Okay? But you're made in the image of God. Every man and woman and child, you're made in his likeness. In fact, you are the crown jewel in his, in his creation. You're so much more than a bird. You're capable of a relationship, personal relationship with the God of all creation through his beloved son Jesus. Only way to have a personal relationship with God is through Jesus. But he redeemed you. He bought you back with a price if you've trusted him. And you've gone from just being a creation to being, being his child. And so if any creature on the planet shouldn't worry, it should be those of us who have been bought back by Jesus. We're, we're, we're new creations. We're, we're children of God. We're, we're made into God's family. If anybody on the planet should be carefree, it, it, it should be us. But so very often we're not. And Jesus knew that. That's, he, his disciples were uptight. One of the disciples, when he found out Jesus was taking him back to Jerusalem, you know what he said? Well, let's go die with him. They were, they were uptight. They, they were concerned about where, where they were heading. And Jesus knew that. And so Jesus is speaking into this, their anxiety. The, the, Jesus said in verse 25, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? There's a reason I didn't use the, the King James Version here. Uh, the King James Version translate that, translates that. How, much, how, how many of you, by worrying, could add one cubic to your height? Now you know... Yeah. I didn't want to give you guys ammo. Okay? So we're going to stick with the ESV translation here. Which of you being anxious can add a single hour to your span of life? The word Jesus is using here about being anxious or worry is the Greek word merimnao. And it's the combination of two words. The first word is merizo, which has to do with tearing or, or, or dividing. The second word that's in the compound is the word noose, which has to do with the mind. And so this word that's being used here has to do with the tearing of your mind. The dividing of your mind. So that's what the word here means. When you're anxious over something, you're not able to focus because you're, you're, you're distracted by something over there or something in your past, something behind you. And you can't, you can't function in, in the present. Something else has your attention. Your mind is divided. Now, our English word for worry comes from the German word vergen. And, and vergen literally, literally means to, to, to tear, to rip. 
And so what, what that means is when we worry, what's going on is there is a shredding that's taking place in our hearts, our souls, our minds. There's a shredding, there's a division that's happening. That's, that's, what, that's what worry does. It, it divides you. And Jesus is telling his disciples, those who follow him, I want to wipe that out for you. I don't want you to have to live that way. And so Jesus is going to point to three things that we need to know and one thing that we need to do to join him in having worry wiped from our lives. Three things to know and, and one thing to do. First, first of all, we don't worry because of who you are. You've got to know who you are. Now, some of you are going to say, some of you who are new here may, may not be tired of this yet. You will be. Um, some of you who are older here saying, Joe, when are you going to quit telling us that? When you start believing it. When you start living it. I'll shut up about it. A little bit. You got to know who you are. It's the first thing Jesus... God, you got to know that God, if you're in Christ, God is your Father. Jesus is going to talk about that further down in the passage. He's your Father. You know, birds can't say that. They can say, God's our Creator. See, but when you start talking about Father, you move from creation to relation. Th those are different concepts altogether. You can have a, a relationship with God as your Father. Your Creator becomes your Father when you trust Christ in, in, in that moment. And, and what, what that means is there, you know, when, when somebody comes to Christ and I get the privilege of being present there and maybe walking them through a prayer, one of the things that I want them to know when they get up is that the person that's leaving the room is not the same person that came into the room just a moment ago. You're a different person. You're, you're a new, you're, you're, you're actually, you're, you're made new, you're a new creation. You've gone, you've gone from just being a human being to now being a child of God. If you, if and when you trust, trust Jesus. You know, and I want people to know that. We, we want people to know that. You're, you're different because of that. You're, you're now in God's, God's family. You, you, you cannot worry because of who you are. You're a child of the living God. Second thing that God wants you to know in order to begin this wiping out of your worry is God wants you to know what worry does. What, what worry does. And what worry does really is absolutely nothing. Does anybody here recall the 1970s song by Edwin Starr? War! What is it good for? You got it. The tune's a little off, but... I want you to replace that in your mind with this. Worry! Yeah! What is it good for? Okay, I'll take what I can get this morning. Worry is good for absolutely nothing. Unless you think tearing your health apart is good. Unless having a shredded heart is good. I read where a sociologist did some studies of people's worry patterns. And this is what he found. 40% of the things we worry about are things that never happened. We worry 40% of the things that most people worry about are things that will never happen. 30% of the things are things that, that happened to us in our past and we can't change it all but we're still worried about it. 
So we're up to 70% of, of worry. 12% are, um, of our worry is surrounding things people say about us critically. Okay? Things people say about us. Another 10% are things that we, we worry about our health. Which does what to our health? It harms our, harms our health. That leaves 8%. 8% this sociologist found out of things people worry about are kind of legitimate for worry. Only 8%. Worry is good for absolutely nothing. It does not add anything to your life. It produces nothing but harm. So in verse 26 Jesus says, If then you are not able to do a small thing by adding just a span to your life, why are you anxious about the rest? And now he tells us to consider flowers. Consider the lilies. So think about birds. Now think about flowers. Consider the lilies. How they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven. It's talking about how hot it can get in the Holy Land. There's this time when flowers are blooming. It gets real hot. A dry, arid heat sets in and it burns the flowers, basically. It burns the grass. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It says, do not speak... Of what you are to eat and what you are to drink. Nor be worried. Get this. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your father knows that you need them. And there's the third thing that you need to know right there in verse 30. You need to know who you're not. You need to know who you are. You need to know what worries does. And you need to know who you're not. You are not all the nations of the world anymore. They seek after all that stuff. You're, that's not you. If you're a father of Jesus, you don't seek after all of those things. Your father knows what you need. He's, he's got you. If you belong to Christ, you're not like the nations of the world. You're not, you're not part of that anymore. The Bible says your citizenship is in, in heaven. You've moved from creation to relation. You're a child of God. So you don't have to be worried. You can, you can sing that song all through the day. Don't worry. Be happy. You know. Na, 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 na. Don't, don't worry. You, you have so much to be joy filled about. Look at how verse 31 starts out. Starts out with the word instead. Now here's the cure. If, if you are prone to worry... Prone to anxious thoughts. That, just absorbed by those. Here's the antidote. Jesus is going to give you the antidote to that. You ready? Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. Three things you need to know. One, one thing you need to do. See, the cure for worldly worry is kingdom work. That is the cure, the ultimate cure for worldly worry is engaging in, in the kingdom. Now, if you don't want to worry, give yourself over to pursuing things in the kingdom. If you're sweating your circumstances, give yourself over to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and busy yourself in what really matters. And you can do that where you live, work, and play. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to go on the mission field. You live on a mission field. You don't have to give up those things. You can start right where you're at employing, seeking first the kingdom of God. Because Jesus said the kingdom's all around you. His kingdom is, is, is all around us.
And the moment we start focusing on his kingdom and his pleasure, his glory, guess what happens? The focus starts coming off of us and we start to worry less about our stuff. It's, just, it's, a, it's a natural kind of thing. Now, we reverse this. Jesus knew it. That's why Jesus addresses it. Jesus knows that what we do is we try to focus on our comfort, which is our kingdom. We want to we want, we focus on our kingdom. And Jesus knows that kills us. That gives us so much to, to worry about. So Jesus says, seek first my kingdom. Make this the priority in your life. Spreading my kingdom. Getting my name out there. Uh, doing good. Giving a cup of cold water in my name. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. And if you do that, if that's your number one aim, you start knowing that you're working for God. And the Bible says, he'll bring these other things to you. Those things that you're worried about. God will be the one taking care of that. Jesus says if you seek first the kingdom, that he will be the one that will meet your needs. Now, who can do a better job of meeting your needs? You or God? Well, the way you get him activated on meeting your needs is through you serving in his kingdom. I'm just telling you, I think it's a good deal. I think it's a better deal than you trying to figure it out yourself. Seeking first the kingdom. That's the cure to worry. Putting his kingdom first. Look at verse 31 again. Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. Now here's the really cool part of it. Not only do it, does it lessen your worry, but seeking God's kingdom first is a great adventure. Here's what happens. When you start seeking God's kingdom first, walking into a Starbucks is different. Because you walk in thinking, God, what, what, what are you going to do here today? Who are you going to let me talk to? Who might I get to pray for? Some, something could happen. Anywhere you go, when you go to work the next day, when you're seeking God's kingdom first, when you go to school and you're seeking God's kingdom first, you start seeing God showing up everywhere. He, he just starts showing up when you're seeking first his kingdom. And you get to do this. You get to pray for that person. You get to connect with this person. You get to share the gospel with this person. Guess what happens to you when you do that? You start seeing God everywhere at work around you. And when you start seeing God at work around you everywhere, you start thinking, could it be that maybe he's working in my stuff too? Your confidence in God being at work around you in your stuff soars. It goes, it goes through the roof because you see God everywhere. So seek first his kingdom. And your routine won't be routine anymore. It, it will begin to change. You know, God will set up things so that your life is a, a grander adventure. So, adventure. so you go to the Lord and say, Lord, these hands, yours. This big mouth of mine, yours. These feet, take them where you want to go. I'm going to seek first the kingdom. And here's what happens at the end of your day. You'll look back at the end of your day and you'll see, see the things God did for you and used you in. And you'll get to the end of your day with joy. And you'll lay down and you will go to sleep. The Bible says that God gives rest to those he loves. Those are people trusting in his kingdom's presence. Seeking first his kingdom. It diminishes their worry. It, it deflates it. Verse 32 Jesus says, Fear not, 
a little flock. I love that phrase. For it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. A little flock. I, I love that phrase because here's why. Because I am at times, and those of you who know me well know this, at times I'm a really dumb sheep. What you laughing at? I've seen your moves too. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, all of us are like sheep. We've all gone astray. We've all done really dumb things with our lives. We have. It's just the truth about all of us. Doesn't it bring you great joy to know that you're his little flock? He, he's got you. And here's the, here's the really cool thing about that is your father, he's the shepherd. He, he's the one that, that, that's there. It's inherent in this passage. We're like sheep. But God knows your weakness. He knows your propensity. Where you get lost the most in worry. Where your heart gives over most to anxiety. God knows. And he loves you and he is shepherding you. He's watching over you. He's caring for you in, in those places. One of the places that God knows we struggle a lot is with our stuff. And our finances. People are watching their 401ks right now. Worried. Fearful. Which is why Jesus, I believe, jumps us into verse 33 right after this. He says this, sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that not, do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says, if you're really worried about your stuff, one of the best things you can do is go to that storage unit where you got some of your stuff and sell some of that stuff. Then you won't have to pay the rent on the storage unit. Sell some of that stuff and, and give it away. Because that stuff has, is possessing you. And you're worried about that stuff in ways that you don't need to worry. Jesus is saying generosity helps us fight through this issue of being worried about our, our stuff. It, this, again, this is Jesus' stream of thought here. Because Jesus knows where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. This is an incredible truth and we're not going to spend a lot of time unpacking this. But there's a reason that Jesus spoke more about finances and more about our stuff and generosity in the Bible than anybody else did. Because Jesus knew it was going to be a source of anxiety and worry. He knew that our possessions will possess us. And so Jesus speaks about money a lot. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the Lord knows that if you really are ever going to get to a place where you're seeking first his kingdom, you're going to be investing in his kingdom. You will be bringing the Lord his tithe. You will be making offering beyond that because that, what that means is you got skin in the game. When you put your money in, you got skin in the game. And you want to know how that, that's doing, how that, how that investment's doing. And so when you give today, again, we're not doing the place, we're going to do the baskets. When you give, and I want to encourage you, give online. That way nobody has to touch anything. Okay? Just, I know that sounds crazy, but seriously, consider giving online. Just set it up to, 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 to give that way. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Verse 35. 
Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. So that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. And the Lord, Lord is speaking here about, about the kingdom. About, about its announcement. That we should be ready when he comes back to this earth to establish his kingdom. We, we should be ready. And one of the warnings here is, is that we, we need to be looking. We need to be thinking. And that's all throughout the New Testament. All throughout the New Testament is this, this vision of, of God's people expectantly waiting on him. Because if we're expecting his return, we have hope there. Our eyes are on Jesus and less on the things of this world that, that, that worry us. Some of you know the old hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow what? strangely dim when you are expecting the return of Jesus it is strange how dim the cares of this world become to you it just has this dimming power it's, it's just it, it, it's an incredible move of God and so Jesus is preparing his disciples and see they don't understand this yet they don't understand what, what do you mean coming you're here you know they, they, didn't, they didn't get it at all they, they'll, they'll get it later but Jesus is using this imagery of a master coming in, in Matthew chapter 24 verses 7 and 8 Jesus says there's going to be signs to his coming there are going to be these incredible signs that are going to be, be happening and it's coming. And it speaks about telling us to be watching and waiting for the day he comes back to establish his kingdom here on earth. And he says there are going to be signs. And he says those signs are going to be the beginning of birth pangs. So key phrase when you're thinking about prophecy and those kinds of things. Here's the deal. I'm told, I've never experienced this personally. But when a woman is pregnant... That she has pains, different kind of pains, throughout the, the entirety of the nine months. But then there is this new pain that shows up at nine months-ish. A new pain. And that pain is an intenser pain. And it is a pain that grows closer together. And doctors will tell you, you know, how close are the pains? Because they know... That something is about to happen. And Jesus says that's what it's going to be like. There are certain things that are going to happen. Certain signs that are going to be happening. It, it will be different than, than it's ever been before. Now there are some people that are saying we might be there. And we might be. God's people are always supposed to be looking. Always supposed to be ready because the Lord could come back tonight. And we don't live as if, as if that's a reality. In verse 44 of, of Matthew 24, Jesus says this, You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when what? You least expect it. When, when, when you're not looking, it could be, could be any moment. So be ready, be, be watching. Now look at this, uh, Luke 12, 37. Blessed are those servants whom the Master finds awake when he comes. Those servants looking, those servants that are, are watching. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service. Who's dressing himself here? The master. Watch this. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. True, I say to you, he, the master, will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. Folks, this is an incredible passage of what the future holds for us. 
And it was, one of, it was so incredible, I went looking for commentators that would argue with me about what I was thinking on this. I looked up several, and what most of them were saying is this is one of the most humbling passages of Scripture for us in the Bible. Because here's what it says. When Jesus comes back, and Jesus sets up his kingdom... And there's going to be this great, incredible feast. The kingdom's going to be real. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be mind-blowing. Jesus at the Last Supper, you remember this. Jesus became a servant and he washed his disciples' feet. In John 13, when, when Jesus got to Peter, what did Peter say to Jesus? Not me. And what did Jesus say to Peter? then you have no part of me. You have no part of my kingdom. What Jesus is saying here in Luke chapter 12 is there going to be a day when, my, when I set up my kingdom, when I establish my kingdom. It's not the last supper. It's the supper of the lamb. It's the lamb supper. It's this feast that Jesus is going to throw. And it says that what ha is going to happen on that day, Jesus is going to put on servant's clothes and he is going to invite you to his table and Jesus is going to serve you. Now, now, I just want to give you a little warning. When Jesus gets to you, don't look at Jesus and say, not me. You want to be like Peter finally got and say, will you watch all of me? I want seconds, Jesus. You know, at the feast. Don't... This is a beautiful understanding of what Jesus is doing and the heart that Jesus has for his people to serve them so they don't have to worry. They're not, not so caught up in it. Verse 38. Talking about the master again. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. Those servants that are waiting and watching. Even the wee hours of the night is what it's saying. But know this. That if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. You don't expect it. So keep your, keep your eyes open. Be ready because the master is going to come back. And if that servant's ready, the Bible says, great blessing for that servant. But, here's a but, verse 39. But, know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he, would, he wouldn't have left the house. Verse 40 goes on to say, you also must know, for the son of man is coming. Be, be ready and watch him because he's coming in an hour you don't expect. Be mindful of that. So always is what it's saying, be ready. The Bible says that no man knows the hour or the day. There are people out there that are telling you they know when Jesus is coming back. Now you don't have to do this, but it's okay to think, liar. You're just a liar. And the truth ain't in you. Because they, they are. They do not know. Only the Father knows, Jesus said. He said he didn't even know when he was here. Only the Father knew. And so Peter says in verse 41, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, and I think he's looking at Peter now because Peter asked this question. Who then is the faithful and wise manager? I think he's looking at Peter and saying, Peter, are you a faithful and wise manager? Are you, Peter? 
If, if, I'm, if I'm the master, are you a faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Blessed is a servant who when the master comes finds that servant serving, doing what he was called to do. And friends, we see this all throughout Scripture, all throughout uh, the Old and New Testament that there are going to be these signs. And Jesus is saying, truly, I'll, I, I, I will do this. Verse 44. Verse 45 is another but. But if that servant says to himself, my master's delayed in coming. And he begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drawn. The master of that servant will come on a day he does not expect it. At an hour when he does not know. This is, this is fearful. And will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Now, Hold on for a minute because I know some of you say, I wasn't worried till I heard that. Okay, just hold on. Let me finish. Keep reading. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act accordingly to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone, this is, grab this. This is kind of Jesus' Climax on this, Luke 12, 48. Everyone to whom much is given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrust that much, they will demand all the more. So I, I want to kind of summarize that, pull that together. Jesus is saying his return is imminent. That if you're his, he paid for you uh, on the cross. You need to be ready for his return. And I want to give you quickly three ways the Bible says we need to be ready. Jesus is saying here you need to be ready. The first is you need to be ready by being saved. You must be saved if you're going to be ready. Now if you ask people are you saved, that's kind of a little bit of a loaded question. Because you'll get responses kind of like this. Well I grew up in church. But are you saved? A better question to ask somebody is this. If you were to die today, do you know for certain that you'd go spend eternity in heaven with Jesus? And you may get a, a, a kind of a pushback and somebody say, well, nobody can really know. You can. Jesus said you can. You can know that you are saved by trusting in Jesus and, and, and Jesus alone. God's word says that you can absolutely have security in knowing that, that you are his. You can be confident that you have put your trust in Christ alone. And if you've done that, then when he returns, you can be confident that you will spend eternity in heaven. Or you can be confident that if you leave this place before he comes, you'll be with him. In Acts chapter 4 verse 11 and 12, Peter and John are standing between, in, in front of the rulers of the nation of Israel. And, and they said this, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. And there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We must be saved. It's sad to think of the possibility that maybe for somebody in this room right now, that this moment might be the closest they ever get to heaven. Because they hear the gospel and they reject it. They might know facts about Jesus but don't have a personal relationship with him because they never personally responded to him. So you got to ask the question, are you saved? You must be saved. Second thing that you must be doing is you must be serving. 
must be serving. Get busy serving in his kingdom. I'm going to unpack that a little more in just a second. But, but be serving. Third thing that you got to be is you got to be connected. Be engaged with other believers. Encouraging other Christians. Being encouraged by other Christians. Being built up for preparation for the kingdom. So make sure that you're serving out of your spiritual giftedness. So that you're blessing others. I want to go back to, to, to those two verses again because Jesus is speaking about one servant who knew and one servant who didn't really know. And how, how their, their punishment and their rewards were different. And here's something I want you to know. And this is something that will deflate your worry, I believe. Is this, is that as you're seeking the kingdom of God, the Bible says that there are rewards. Not, not everyone's capacity in heaven is going to be the same. And that's for those who are really working for the kingdom, the Bible teaches that there are going to be greater rewards. I also believe that the Bible teaches there are going to be worse punishments in hell. I believe it, 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 the Bible teaches both, both of those things. Now, yes, please hear me. Please hear me. If you're a believer, heaven is going to be a joy-filled place. If you put your trust in Jesus, there's going to be great happiness and joy for everyone. But not everybody will experience, have the same experience. Not everybody will have, do the same things. Verses all over the Bible teach this. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, Second uh, Corinthians 5. We, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We're going to receive something. Uh, in James chapter 3, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. That worries me personally. I, I mean, just be honest. That, that, you know, that makes me think. Okay. Well, the way that I don't worry about that is I just say, Okay, I'm just going after your kingdom. I, 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 can't, I can't spend my life beat up about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to deal with this. Uh, 2 John 1 verse 8. Watch out. This is John writing. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Being diligent means that you're being saved. You'd be serving. You'd be connected. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. You got to believe both those things. Revelation 22. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what? What he's done. Matthew 5 12 says this, and this was, this was Jesus writing to people who were being persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for people who were saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, and were experiencing ridicule and beatings because of it. Jesus said, Rejoice and be glad because of what? Your reward in heaven is what? Great. There's going to be this greater reward. So friends, it's very important. If you want to be ready for Jesus, which will deflate worry. It'll help wipe out worry. Make sure that you have been saved. Make sure that you are serving. Make sure you are connected. You're serving the kingdom with brothers and sisters. Full-heartedly seeking it first. And Jesus says, I'll start wiping out your worry. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I just come to you now giving you thanks that you are here with us. No matter what we face, no matter whether it is a, an enemy that we can see or an enemy that's unseen, we pray 
I pray, God, for my brothers and sisters in this room, that we will not give our lives over to fear, knowing that it accomplishes nothing. But we will choose this day, once again, we have to remind ourselves, we have to tell each other the gospel over and over again. We'll remind ourselves who we are in Jesus. We'll remind ourselves, Lord Jesus, what you tell us where he does, it does nothing. We can't change anything by worry. And then we'll, we'll remember who, who we're not. We're not, we're not of this world. This, we're not citizens here. Our citizenship is elsewhere. We're just passing through, trying to take others with us on our way. So Jesus, I pray, and I pray especially, God, if there's someone in this room today who has never given their life to you, who has never taken that step to be saved, that today they would hear clearly the message. This may be as close to heaven as they get. And that they'll step across that line right now by trusting Jesus that what you did on the cross, on Calvary's cross, paid for their sin. That on the cross you, you bore their sin in your body so that they would not have to bear the wrath of God. You took it on yourself. And that by trusting you, Jesus, that you died to forgive their sins, that you, their sin was buried with you, and that when you were raised to life, they could be raised to life if they would trust in you and you alone. So I pray right now, God, for anybody here that they would just this day call in the name of Jesus. They would just say, Jesus, I trust you. You can do this right where you're at. You can just say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I am giving my life to you. I repent of my sin. I believe you are who God says you are, who you say you are. And I give you my life now. The Bible says there's no other name by which men, men can be saved, women can be saved, children can be saved than the name of Jesus. And Jesus, we come, many of us, knowing that that's, that's true for us. We've been saved, but we're not, we haven't been serving you, God. We haven't been connected with other believers in serving your kingdom. We've been kind of self-absorbed and self-kingdom serving. So today, we, we set our hearts to partner with you to wipe out our worry by seeking first your kingdom. And so whatever it is got to let go of, you let go of it today to seek first his kingdom the Holy Spirit will show you what that is and you just you give it to Jesus right now you just bring it to him and say Jesus I'm putting this down I'm putting my kingdom down I'm putting my comfort down I'm putting my worry down I'm picking up your kingdom and, and, and prioritizing it in my life Jesus I want to see fame come to you I want to see your glory no not mine and Jesus says as you do that as you seek first the kingdom those things that you've been so worried about get added by him to you we come now Jesus making those decisions trusting you as we worship and then as we close our service giving to you it's in your name we pray amen thanks for listening if you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 11.30 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.